Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Randy Rourke. I just wanted to remind you that it's risk-free trial month at Uncharted. What does that mean? It means you can join the Uncharted community, you can live stream our uh, April conference, you can jump into the intensive course we have starting on April 9th. It's called Meditation for Busy Skeptics. That's right, it's super useful veterinary meditation Great lunch break hobby at the clinic, things to reduce stress, get your head straight, make you feel better, recharge your batteries, and it's totally included with your Uncharted membership. You can take advantage of the school, you'll have advantage of the community, you get to meet the gang, you can see the super positive tribe that we're always talking about. It could be absolutely life-changing for you, and you can try it out. If it's not right for you after 30 days, no worries at all, 100% refund, uh, back where you started. But never going to be at a better chance to try than right now. So head on over to UnchartedVet.com, check it out, become a member, see what Uncharted is all about. You might just love it. Now, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. <laughs> all right. And we're back. <laughs> My sidekick's. Stephanie, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Goss. <laughs> That's a good one. I like oh, that one. <laughs> I've been working on them. I just, I love that part of the podcast. We could hang up now. and uh, That's it. That's all I you guys would, get. Oh, uh, yeah. I just, as long as we get that part right, the rest of it is just gravy. <laughs> oh, my God. You're killing me. Uh, so, right. uh, how, how's it going? It's good. It's really good. Um, the the seasons seem to be changing here, and the kids are regularly back in school. Uh, yeah, it's, I feel like life is going on. How about you? It is snowpocalypse over here, man. This uh, <laughs> Western Washington is not prepared for the deluge of snow that we have gotten in the last week. So uh, shout out to all my other clinic uh, friends locally that I know are, are snowed in on day four or five or six. Feels like our kids haven't gone to school since January. So uh, it's, you know, we're rocking it. We're just yeah. making it work. Hang in there. <laughs> Hang in there. Oh, man. What do we well, got today? Oh, so, uh, so I saw something I thought was really interesting. So I, I saw a, a, a Facebook post from a veterinarian. And she said uh, is to another group of veterinarians, does it ever frustrate you when employees frustrate your attempts to charge what procedures cost? I've tried to go over fees with my weekly meetings and how we base our fees, but math glazes their eyes and, uh, and, and most techs don't get it. Have you figured a method to make this clear? So that's, that's essentially what is, that was the question that was put forward. And I said, Oh, I have strong feelings about that. I bet Stephanie does too. Let's, <laughs> let's unpack it. So that um, is, that is a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's a, there, okay. So there's a couple of things there to unpack. Let's yeah. let's splice them apart into the issues, okay. and then we'll and then we'll work backwards from there. How's that? Sounds great. Let's do oh, it. You do it. I don't. I've, I've talked right. already. You you tell <laughs> right. you tell us what. So I th- I think I think that there's two there's two big things there. I think that that she's asking one, and I think every manager, practice owner, particularly practice managers that are owners have asked this question time and time again, which is what do you do when 
your team is and frustrating is a good word frustrating attempts to charge what things cost like when you look at an invoice and something has been marked down to no charge that has you has hard costs associated with it or where you um you know catch the catch the things that should have been rung up and have been discounted or, oh, that bandage change didn't really take me that long. I'm going to charge half price. I think that's part of it. And then I think the second part of it sounds like you have that problem. So you're trying to address it. And so you're trying to figure out how do I talk to my team about how do we charge? What, what do we base our fees on? But you're, you're going into the maths realm and people don't like maths. And when you said that, when you said the math glazes their eyes over, (laughs) I'm just picturing that team because I've been in that meeting, right? Where you're, where you're just sitting there and the whole room is staring at you like zombies. I don't know. I don't know. What is there? Are there other pieces that you see in there? I mean, those are the two big ones is um, how do you run a business where people change the price of the services uh, on a whim? And uh, and then the other one is how do you get your team to buy into stopping this behavior? So yeah, so it, it's the it's the behavior part, and then it's the communicate to get change part. So those are the two pieces for me. All right, let's start. Let's start with the first part. That's that's uh, often a really hard one in a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a ter- it's a terribly hard one. So let, let's just like if you haven't worked in vet medicine. You don't realize how bad this problem is. I mean, it is, it's an epidemic in our yes. practice, in our practices. The, the number that keeps getting thrown out, and I think it's an old number. It was from Vet Economics back in the day. But, um, but the last published number that I saw was that the average veterinarian in a year gives away $64,000 in services. Oh, so, I, I, I think that number is, is probably accurate. It may be low. Well, I just, yeah. I do not. And that's veterinarians. That doesn't tack Ooh. in the technicians. Technicians are better than the vets because they don't have the, they don't get a pass. The vets yeah, often get a pass. Right, right. right. And so the, most technicians are worried about changing the prices because they're rational people who recognize <laughs> this is, this is often considered theft in other industries. And you just change the price of the thing yes. you're supposed to sell. Um, especially if you change it to zero, (laughs) but, but doctors don't get it. And, um, so it it blows my mind. And here's the thing is it's, I mean, it's systemic. It's, it's been in every practice that, that I've been out. Some practices have been much better than others. Um, it's, it's, it's in my friend's practices. There was, it's, it's international. So there's, there was a study I saw in Canada. Okay. So the Canadian Federation of small businesses did a study on discounting. Okay. And they were like, how often do industries discount? And so they put out these numbers for different industries. So pharmacists are essentially zero. Like they never discount. Accountants, essentially zero. Accountants very rarely discount, apparently. Lawyers are like less than 5%. Dentists are 7%. Orthodontists are 8%. Car mechanics, less than 10% of the time they discount. Physiotherapists, 10%. Chiropractors, 14%. And veterinarians, wait for it. 41%. Forty-one like percent. Oh we just god. crushed the field. Oh my god! Like we're three times worse when it comes Holy. to discounting than anyone else. The chiropractors are the only ones even in the in the game with us. 
Holy guacamole. I mean, like, this is not what I what, what we should be known as. So, no. okay. But I, so I, but I think that, that, that says a I think that this says is how systemics is. The, the, here's the reality, okay? So I start, I always start off and, and, and I, start, I start talking about, we do this and we give these things away, okay? Um, you cannot run a viable practice if prices are just suggestions. Mm -hmm. And and I'll say this, I, I do this in, in my lectures. You know, when we talk about, um, we talk about cash-strapped clients and working with people who don't have limited resources, the first thing you've got to do if you want to do good in the world is you've got to have prices that don't change. Yep. And so I'll get people, I'll say, raise your hand if your prices are set in stone. But they're literally chiseled into a stone tablet. And there's like two hands will go right. up. And those people are probably not telling the truth. But maybe they are. Sometimes they are. It's usually the emergency clinics mm -hmm. who are not messing with Yep. Because those people, they run on razor thin margins. They they generally know their numbers and they cannot mess around. Like they have got yep. to charge what they need to charge. And so generally emergency clinics are much more likely to raise their hands in my experience. Um, and then I'll say, where raise your hand if prices are generally followed. And that will be uh, a much bigger part of the room. Mm -hmm. Again, probably being a bit optimistic. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, where are prices a suggestion that can change when they need to? And that's usually the majority. And then I'm like, where do prices just mean nothing? They're just numbers written, <laughs> written in a computer. And, and, and there's hands that go up for that. And they're like, yeah, there we is. just kind of mess. And so, so I just lay all that out because if you're feeling the, the shame of getting called out, first thing is they don't feel shame. Just know that this is systemic and it's everywhere. But also hear me when I say, you just you can't run a business this way, guys. Yeah. You cannot freestyle and just charge some things for this and other things for that, and and look at the way that someone is dressed and decide what they should pay. That's not fair, and that's not ethical. And I mean, you know, we're this this is stereotyping, and it's just I I I do believe I don't think that vets do this because they're trying to steal, and I I and that that comes up, and people say, well, that's stealing. I, I get it, and 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 it is. But I don't like that language because it, it detracts from the good that our people are trying to do. They're trying yeah. to help people. And so yeah. we've got big hearts and we're trying and we're compassionate people. That's where this comes from. And I think you really not laying that out and saying, I see you when you do this uh, for the good you're trying to do. I don't think that does a service. But you cannot, you can't make a budget. You can't plan for next year. You don't know if you can invest in equipment. You don't know if you can invest in a training. You don't know if you can give bonuses to your people because who the heck knows what you're going to do next month because with people changing the prices, you already don't know how many pet owners are going to show up. Now you don't know what you're even going to get paid when they do show up. You just, you can't make a plan and Guys, I, I say this a lot. I dream of a world where our technicians get paid what they're worth. That can't happen if we're changing the prices. And so when doctors change the prices, you're you're you may be taking a hit. You may be like, well, this will come out of my my production salary or whatever. But know that you're also screwing the technicians over and the front desk, and they don't have any say in what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I think it's worth pointing out. Um to everybody is like, you know, 
it's not just you that it affects. And, and I have, I have worked with and seen um, some of those veterinarians who are just, we, we all have a picture in our head, at least, at least I do right now. Like they are beloved. They are, you know, the all creatures, great and small. They're trying to save everything. If somebody can't pay, they're like, ah, you get me next time. It's okay. But at the end of the day, those same practices are the ones where the teams are like, am I going to be able to cash my paycheck when I go to the bank today? And that's a really, really crappy feeling because it comes from a place of such good intention and such heart. And really, they're trying to make a difference in the lives of their patients. But there's casualties of that. And the casualties are first and foremost, the team who might not be able to cash their paycheck. And, and so I think we have to talk about that. And we have to think, you know, in most practices, that may not be the case. And so people tend to look at it like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to discount it this time. What is that going to matter? But I think when you stop, and clearly this has been done, when you stop and you add up all of those little instances of oh, this is not going to matter, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, you often have a significant amount of money. I mean, $64,000, there are areas of this country where that's two people's salaries in veterinary medicine from a staff perspective. Like, that is huge. That is a huge amount of money. If you've got two vets giving away $64,000, that's (laughs) $128,000. That's another veterinarian. That's, you know, that's three staff members or two staff members um, who could come in and do this stuff. I mean, even if you, here's the other thing. If you didn't just willy-nilly discount and change prices and you had two vets and you save $128,000, you can then give that money away. And that's the point that I try to make with this stuff is I'm not telling you not to do pro bono work. I'm not telling you not to help people. You should help people. That's why we're in this business. But God, have a a plan. Have a plan. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like figure out how we're going to do good and then do it and do it in an organized way. And the truth is, guys, then you can actually help people that need help. Because when we're discounting, it's – we're not, there's no rhyme or reason to it for most of us. We're, we're like, oh, this person, ooh, that bill's getting high. Let's, let's charge half price for this ear cytology. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's a good client who would probably be happy to pay what we're asking and, 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 you know, um, and who would see value in us. How about, right. how about we take the money that we charge that person and we put it towards somebody who's honest to God back against the wall who says, my puppy's leg is fractured. I can't afford surgery. Uh, you know what I mean? And we say, okay, well, we can use some of that money to help fund this surgery. And now we're really doing good in a way that matters. So I'm not saying we shouldn't help people. And I don't want people to get that impression. I'm saying we have a plan about how we're going to help people. And the only way we can have a plan is to, is to charge, is to charge prices that we can, that we can depend on and we can rely on. Well, and this is where my manager brain starts like running amok. As as you said, like you you have to have a plan. I think that's so, so true. And I immediately start brainstorming, like how, how can I fix this issue? But I think that's where we have to reel it back a little (laughs) and we have to look at what is the actual problem first. And so for those of you guys who are, who are listening and this is resonating with you, um, that, that you, you know, eh your team might do it and maybe they do it a little bit more than you think that they do it the the first thing that I would challenge you to do as a manager is 
figure out how big a problem it is in your practice because I think you're going to be surprised. And so there are really easy reports that you can run out of your PIMS and um, out of your management software where you can look at every single transaction over any period of time that you want that is going to show you where a price has changed from your list price to to what you're actually to charge the client. It's going to pull that information out for you. And I would challenge you to start there and look at um, look at the look at the actual numbers and try and figure out how big of a problem is this for your practice because that's going to help you develop a really smart plan for addressing the problem within your practice. Oh yeah, I mean that's 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 the first thing you know is let's start so let's start yeah addressing the problem. So let's talk about addressing the problem. Then we're going to talk about getting the, the team to buy in. But step one, you, you nailed it. It's auditing. Like you you got you've got to track this. Like you need. If you're the manager or the owner, you need to start looking. Um, and and that's that's the first thing. And I have people who tell me, they're like, I don't have time for that. And I'm like, are you serious right now? Are you? I, no, I have to see these appointments. <laughs> okay, let's think this through. Um, it's good It's good for people to see appointments. And I know you really got to figure out what to post on social media. Yep. <laughs> but... But your staff and veterinarians literally giving money away, that's maybe a hole that we should plug, don't you think? Yes. Um, so it, it's it's hard for me to be like, I, I get it. We're all busy. This is this is one of those things that's important, but it doesn't seem urgent to people because it's been going on so long and you don't see it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just really feel like that's it. I, I think part of the thing for the staff too is, Everybody feels like, well, I give away a little bit of stuff or, you know, I do do a little discount here and there. Well, I mean, if you're Mike Falconer and you've got 14 veterinarians, <laughs> yeah. and 100 staff members, if that guy's not all over this, he's going to go out of business. And, yeah. you know, it's the same thing in small practices. It's, it's, it's awful. And let's be honest, too, before we, before we go much further, when you run your audit, if you're in a smaller practice, you will probably immediately realize that the practice owner is the worst. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And that's, that's not knocking them. I, I love my practice owners. You are some of my favorite people in vet med, but I, I promise you as a, as a practice manager that's been doing this as long as I have every single practice where I have dug into this, that has been the case where if they are not the biggest offender, they are the second biggest offender. And, and, I love you for it because you have good hearts and it's coming from a place of good intentions. But before you start looking at my staff is stealing from me, my associates are not charging for things that they should. You absolutely have to look at the fingers that are pointing back at you too and see where you stack up comparatively. And, um, you know, I, I think that, I think that that's, it's eye opening for a team when you crunch those numbers where it really falls. I got to put on my associate vet hat here too and say, let me tell you how frustrating this is for an associate vet because the owners come in and they and they talk to me as a, as a consultant or a speaker, they will come in across the room and go, oh, the clients just don't want to see my associate vets. They only want to see me. And their head is huge because they're like, I'm amazing. And I look for three seconds and I'm like, dude, it's because you give them free stuff right. and the associate vets don't, of course they want to see you. <laughs> Oh man, uh, but it's but it's true and and I think I think the point that you and I are both trying to make is that any any of this that's that's happening the, the majority of the time 
it's not being done with the intention of I'm going to, I'm going to take away from the practice. I'm going to steal from the practice. Nobody is, nobody is intentionally doing this part where you're changing prices relating to clients for, for that effect. I mean, let's, let's be real about that. It's coming from a, from a place of heart and a place of good intentions. And we're wanting to do right by our clients. We're wanting to do right by our patients. And so we hear that. But at the end of the day, in order to have a healthy, successful business, we have to just stop and acknowledge the fact that as much as we are about caring for our patients and their people, we're business. And it takes money to pay the bills and to pay the people. And if we don't have that money coming in and we can't pay the bills and pay the people, we're not going to last long in, in our fields. Right. No. I, so I agree. Let me pause right here and just uh, and just say uh, there has been no podcast in the history of the world that has been forwarded to practice owners as much as this one we're making right now. I have I have no people just li- they hurt their thumbs trying to text the link to the owner that they work with who gives all the stuff away. So, I, I love it. I love yeah, it. So, no, so that's happened. So I think the real question is, okay, when we acknowledge that it's a problem, the first thing that you have to do is you have to dig into an audit. And there's a there's a bunch of different ways that you can do that. But for my practice managers out there or my practice owners out there who are thinking, I don't, I don't even know where to start. There are two reports that I'm going to tell you about that are going to make you happy as a clam. One yeah. is that one is that every single practice management software should have some sort of audit trail report. And that is a report where it is taking any of the changes that are made in your software um, and reporting them usually on a daily time basis. So if you don't know how to run that report, call your tech support for your practice management software. If you don't pay for support, if you have a product where you have to pay for support and you don't pay for it, ask on Facebook. There are plenty of um, practice management groups out there now um, that can, and lots of people who are using it who would be happy to point you in the right direction. But every, every almost every software has that version. And then, um, most of the uh, softwares that have more extensive reporting capabilities also have the capacity to build a custom report that is not only going to show you the things that were changed, but show you um, things where you they were changed by certain dollar degrees or percents. So you can run a custom report that will show you, you know, if something is in as a list price and anytime there's a change to that list price, it's going to come up specifically on price changes. So your audit trail is going to show you, uh, you know, if if I'm Stephanie sitting at the front desk and I put in something on a client's chart and then, um, you know, Dr. Sarah says, oh, wait, I changed my mind. I don't want to do that. And I delete that off of their chart. Your audit trail is going to show all of that as well. So sometimes it can get a little busy, but you can build out a custom report that will show you the specific price changes off of your list price. So I would start with those two reports and dig into it and look at it from a doctor to doctor perspective. Yeah, no, I, I like I like that a lot. You, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So yep. the first thing you got to do, you got to get some numbers. And the other thing is, whenever we want to have serious talks with our staff or our team, you want to speak in specifics. Yep. If I get somebody uh, into my office or, or I go to the staff meeting, if I have a staff meeting, the least productive staff meeting in the world looks like me standing in the middle of my staff saying, you guys give everything away. Why are you giving everything away? Because every one of them is thinking, I don't, I don't give everything away. I give like maybe rarely I give something away, but I don't give everything away. This is wrong. And they've all discounted what you're saying. And 
And right. you can just keep talking, but they're not right. going to change anything because right. they don't buy it. So right. you, you got to talk in specifics. So so that's step one. Step two, um, I'll, beware again of rushing straight to the staff meeting. If you have an offender and you call a staff meeting, it's going to be that classic thing where, you know, you stand up and you're like, I'm just going to tell everybody because everybody needs to hear it. And everybody will hear it except one person, the person who's doing all the stuff. <laughs> And everyone who is ever in their life followed directions to give a discount will be like, is she talking to me? That I, I, we're having this meeting because of me. Cause in 1998, <laughs> I did what I was told. And they'll, so the good, the good ones panic and the bad ones are like, I hate to be I don't hear this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's so true. I'm picturing that staff meeting in my head. Cause oh. we've all, we've all been there, right? We've all, we've all sat in that meeting where you're having the conversation and really it's a conversation that maybe needs to happen with one or two people one-on-one, -on -one, but we're sharing it with the team for the good of the whole. And, and really we're doing ourselves and our teams a disservice by approaching things that way. So I, I think I agree a hundred percent with you, Andy. And I, and I would say you start with the numbers, you got to do some audits, you got to figure out what the problem is. And then way before you go to the staff meeting conversation, I think you have to think about what are what is your, what is your plan? And this is where I geek out as a practice manager because I've seen some really creative ways that practices have tried to approach this problem and and solve it, um, where they are not just identifying it's a problem and telling everybody, okay, you have to stop changing fees, but where they have tried to, really address the fact that they know that this is coming from a place of heart and good intentions. And so they want to empower the vets to be able to make those decisions. And so a lot of times the most, the most common one that I have seen is where practices will set up kind of a slush fund for each vet. And so they load an account with a certain dollar amount and they say, okay, you're going to get X amount of dollars for a quarter, a month, a year, whatever the whatever their individual process is. And you can, when you have a case where you feel like you need to make a change in the, the dollar, you, it comes out of your slush fund. And when the money's out, it's out, but you can use it however you want over the course of that, that time period. Have you, have you seen any, any, um, you know, ways to kind of creatively come at the problem like that? Oh God. Yeah. So, so no, you, so you, you nailed it. And this goes back to, um, so, so let me, let me say, I think there's one step in between the audit and then setting up these programs. These programs are super valuable. The first thing that I see happen is, um, people come into the practice and they are affected by the culture that's there, you know, and a lot of times, you know, they're wondering, is this like the last practice I was at where we give stuff away and we discount and, yes. you know what I mean? And Hey, I, so I, I did this. I helped this person out last week and nobody said anything. So I'm just going to assume that that was kind of okay. And so honestly, guys, the easiest thing, especially with associate vets, but the easiest thing, and this works more times than you think is, is what I call the mention where, where you run the audit and then you say to the vet, um, you know, in a low key way, Hey, so I ran the, uh, the numbers for last month and I saw that your discount numbers came in at, uh, at $3,000. So you, you gave away $3,000 last month. What, what happened with that? And yeah. that, and stop talking. That's, yeah. and that's the question. what happened with that. And it's not, I'm not, 
we're not closed door meeting. I'm not shining a light in your face. Right. <laughs> but, but it's, and I'm going to listen to what you say and go, okay, well, you know, let's, let's, and then respond to what you say. It's, I'm not going to make a big deal. It happened one time. We go, oh, you know, some people at home are like $3,000. That is a big deal. You know, maybe it is. Um, the, the first time we say something, we can convey like, this is $3,000 we're talking about. This is a, it's a big yeah. deal. This is what, you know, this is a lot of what we would pay a technician for the month to work for us. Right. Um, and, we, and we gave it away. So, so, you know, just, just, just I just want to know what happened. And the biggest thing you're accomplishing here is saying to the person, I saw what you did mm -hmm. and it's not how we operate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And honestly, for most of us who are trying to do good in the world and, you know, we want to make our practices happy. And, and just the fact that you told me like, Hey, saw this, not okay. Let's not, I'm like, Oh, okay. I get it. I am fine with that. I will change my behavior. And that's probably mm -hmm. all that you're going to need to say to most of them. So mm -hmm. there's, I, I just always like to throw that out the mention before we start having, you know, uh, making big systemic changes. Now, if we get to the place, uh, and so now I feel like we're, um, we're getting more into how do we get the staff to buy in? So the first thing is like, how do we address the problem? You measure it and you figure out where you're at and you get your hands around how much is happening, what exactly is happening, who are my culprits, you know, where are we losing this money from? Sure. And then we, and then we start to get the, the team to buy in. And I agree with the original post, which says uh, there, when you start showing people math, their eyes glaze over and, and our people are not in this profession for the most part. Right. Because they're money motivated or they're driven by money. They're, they're just not. And so you start talking about the bottom line and things like that, especially when they're not business owners. You know, if I told you, man, our practice makes $100,000 a month, they would go, whoa, if you got three, four vets, you're going to go to business because that's not enough money to keep the lights on and pay the staff. Like, right. that's, that's bad. Right. But those numbers just don't compute if you don't have the whole picture. So those numbers just, they, they glaze over people's eyes. So we've got to talk to them at a high level. We've got to talk to them about um, about keeping a healthy practice. We've got to talk to them about um, the fact that we set our prices to be fair. And if you think our prices aren't fair, we need to talk about the fairness of our prices. But changing the prices is not okay because we can't budget that way. We can't have the things that we need. We can't do bonuses. We can't do all these things. Uh, we cannot do this, guys. And so now we're starting to talk about, about what the steps are going forward. And, and if there's one thing where they're like, we can't charge $300 for two of you x-rays, like that's just, that's rough. We need to talk to them about that. And I'm not saying we have to change the price, but maybe, maybe there's something to what they're saying. And mm -hmm. maybe we have to charge more for other things to make the numbers work mm -hmm. and bring that price down. Like those are, if they have legit concerns and they're not comfortable talking about it, we need to hear them at yep. least. All right. And then where this person says, I don't understand, how do you get people to buy into this? What I've often found is we have to appeal to them as compassionate people who want to have a successful practice. Sure. And so, so we take that approach. But the other thing is, is a lot of times when I start to say to people, I need you to do this thing. I need you to change this behavior, especially at systemic level work. I'm talking to the whole team. It helps me a lot to understand why they're doing that thing. And then to try to make some concessions in exchange and so I can come in and say, stop doing this. And if they're like, look, man, we've got people who are really struggling and I don't address that concern, they're going to push back against it. And I'm not going to get a lot of traction. If the reason they're discounting is honestly because 
they feel like they're dealing with people who can't afford care and they're only discounting things that they feel like are really critical. Well, then how can they help those people right. in an organized way that lets us run a healthy business? And that goes right into your system you're talking about. Of the veterinarian has their own uh, charitable fund mm-hmm. and say, hey, every month you get $300 that you can do whatever you want with. Maybe that's the answer. And then we've got some guide rails, some guardrails, mm-hmm. you know, on, on how we're on how we're doing these these sort of financial assistance. I like um, the veterinary funds, you know, veterinary mm-hmm. angel funds that a mm-hmm. lot of practices have where yep. we, we have a pool of money and this is what we can do for charitable work. And we have an application process and the practice manager holds the purse strings. Yep. And there are certain criteria that are set. And, you know, my big things on those vet funds are talk to your accountant, make sure it's set up in a way that's legit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you should have some sort of a funding mechanism. So it's not just like when we think about it, we put money into it. It should be tied to your production for the practice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like I've seen it work really well to make a donation to your charitable fund when you euthanize a pet. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for every pet that we euthanize, we make a donation to our fund that we then use to help other pets in need. And you can put that in a sympathy card that you send to pet owners and yep. means the world to them. Yep. And it's, it's a way of you making sure that you're being honest and contributing this thing you said you'd contribute to, but it also helps you be organized and systematic in how you do it. And then you've got to have some rules on, on how you take money out. And, and the big rule for me is, and I learned, sort of learned this early in my career, um, you cannot let these charitable funds uh, serve chronic disease cases. And I hate to say that, but if you put diabetic cats on your charitable funds, yes. your charitable funds will always be empty. Like these, they really need to be for things where you can fix this problem. Yes. Yeah, and be done. It's the yes. it's the unblocking the cat. Yes. It's the uh, the fractured femur in the puppy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, you know, it's the foreign body mm-hmm. that can't afford surgery. But if we take this rock out this Labrador retriever will be okay. It's that. So those are some of the funds. There's some of the systems that I like. Do you have others? Yeah, no, I think you hit those on the head. I, um, my, my uh, previous clinic had a great um, charitable fund program. And that was, um, those were kind of our two, our two rules was that it could, it had to be emergent. It couldn't be, it couldn't be something that was chronic and ongoing. It had to be something that had, had, you know, kind of just come up. Um, and it had to be something that we could, that we could, um, that we were either solving or we were getting more information. So maybe we were paying for lab work to figure out is that this or this, or maybe we were unblocking the cat, but it had to be something that was going to be, um, you know, in the short term, either giving us more information or trying to trying to solve um, a problem. And then one of the other things that um, we always made known was when we had a charity fund applicant, um, we just talked to them and we said, we don't have any expectation that you pay this back. It's here to help when it's needed. But if you find yourself in a position where you can pay it forward in the future, we would love that. And one of my favorite cases was um, where we had a, an elderly client and they were on a fixed income and they had a pet that had an emergent situation and they were just strapped for cash and we were able to help um, and it made all of the difference. And 
I hadn't seen them in a, in a while. It was probably a year and a half or maybe even two years since we saw them. And all of a sudden I got something in the mail one day at the clinic and I opened it up and it was a card from this client and there was a check inside for $25. And she said, you know, you guys made the biggest difference in my life that day when you helped save my pet. This is my companion. Um, you know, I can't thank you enough. And she's like, I don't have a lot, but I'm in a position now where I do have some extra. And so this is my, this is my monthly commitment. I'm going to send money in and I want you to use it to help pay it forward for somebody else. And I think that that, that right there speaks to everything that we do as veterinarians and as why we're trying to give away the house sometimes because it matters. We want to make that difference in someone's lives. And yet we're still trying to do it in a way that is not going to hurt, to hurt the business. And right. so, you know, it was just such an awesome experience to feel like that clients clients do get that and they they understand that. And sure, sometimes you help and you never see that person again. But there are always those clients where you do and those are they're they're the reason why you do it, I think. For me anyways. Yeah. That's a wonderful story. And and you're exactly right. You know, the the things there's two points I'd I'd like to make right now is number one, it's not about the amount of good we can do right now. It's about the long-term amount of good that we do over the years. And right. so if we have a plan for doing good, then it's sustainable. But how many of our people have burned out or gone out of business because they've helped so much in this year that they couldn't go on and think about how much more they could have done in the world had they been in business for 30 years doing something uh, organized, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. So make that point. The other thing I want to say too is, I don't want people listening to make the jump of my staff is giving things away. So um, we need to set up these uh, these programs to assist clients with um, with payment options. That may be the case. And I often find it's the case. We need to talk to the staff yeah. and understand why are you doing this? Like, again, yeah. come from a point of compassion, come from a point of true inquiry why, why yeah. is this behavior happening, guys? What's help me understand? And it may not be that. It may, it may be something else. I, I don't know. I you know, but, but you're, hear you're what not they say. Know. You're not gonna know until you ask them, right? Like that's that's your that's your point. And I think it's such a great one. I think um our friend Jen Galvin says, What what happened? And it's so simple, but until we ask the question and we know why they're doing what they're doing. We're never going to be able to figure out a way to solve the problem, right? Right. This is, and I guess that, that's my total point is this is not a situation where you say, oh, this is the behavior. Here's the solution. Well, it's, that's the behavior. Let's talk to the staff and figure out why this is happening. Because the, the solutions that we're talking about, I find them to be very helpful in the majority of cases. They're not, they're not in every case. We just got, we got to see what's going on. And so the last, the last piece of this for me is, um, once we have these conversations, once we try to make these changes, once we talk to people, we need to continue to track and we need to celebrate improvement. And that's just always the thing for me is, um, totally. if we're going to make a change, then I want my people to know, I saw the change. I saw your commitment. It made a difference. You guys are great. Let's celebrate, you know, and that may just be lunch. It may be, it could be anything. Yes. But, um, it could just be pats on the back. It could be honestly a one-on-one -on -one word to someone. It means the world to them when, when the boss comes up or a veterinarian that they respect and says, hey, Stephanie, I just wanted to tell you real quick. I saw you make this change and it 
means the world to me. And yep. I just want you to know how awesome it is. Thank you so much. Like that point, that pointed direct feedback, man, that, that's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that that's an area where as as own as practice owners and as practice managers where we very often forget that our veterinarians also need that recognition. You know, it's so important for our team, for our CSRs, for our um, technicians, our assistants, our kennel staff. It is important to give them the the feedback that they deserve. And a lot of times us, our associate veterinarians or even our owner veterinarians are left out of that. And so I'd encourage you guys, if you're making changes that involve your veterinarians, you, you have to apply that same rule to them. If they are, if you are asking them to change a behavior and they are doing it well and successfully, you have to reward them too. And, and it doesn't have to be financial. Like, like Andy said, you, it can be as simple as saying, Hey, you know, Dr. A, I, I see this, you know, I know you were kind of embarrassed when we ran those numbers as the practice owner, you were the biggest culprit. And, and I know that felt uncomfortable for you. And I want you to know that I recognize your effort. And I appreciate that. And that goes a long way with with anyone. And I think it's important to just address that you we this is a case where we can't leave the vets out either. Right, right. And we've got to, um, we've got to stay on chronic offenders. You know, yeah. people who are going through this and they're not changing their behavior. Uh, we need yep. to talk about coaching, which uh, we had an episode a couple couple weeks back. We talked to Dr. Dave Nickel about uh, how to coach. Yep. And so this is a coaching exercise. And if we have people who continue to discount after being talked to and after it being tracked, um, <laughs> unless it's the practice owner, uh, <laughs> that, 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 per- that person has to go. You know, yeah. you just... It's, you can't have one person who's not following the rules and who's, who's giving stuff away. That's just everyone sees that. And um, you've got other people who are not doing that behavior and you are letting it go. And, and that's that's a problem. And so practice owners have got to change their behavior. Don't get me wrong. But we all know that firing the practice owner can be really hard. They just <laughs> they don't listen when you tell them they're, they're fired. They just keep coming to work. <laughs> they don't go away. They just keep they going don't back. Go away. <laughs> I own this building, some garbage like that. Maybe they won't. <laughs> oh my God, it's so true. I love it. Well, you know, I think that uh, I think that we did a really great job of unpacking that first part, and I I would love to circle back to this one and really unpack the second piece of it because we talked a little bit about how how we don't want to rush into the staff meeting to talk uh, to about numbers. Cause that's like my worst nightmare. Cause it never goes well. Um, but I think for those of you guys who are listening to us and are like, but wait, you didn't get back to that. I would love to, uh, to come back to that and talk about how do we, how do we successfully talk about the numbers with our teams and how do we make them aware of the cost of doing business? Because I think that they're, I think that we can't ignore that. If we're going to run a successful business, I think that our teams do need to understand that we have to keep the doors open. We have to pay the bills. We have to pay the people. And yes, we want to provide the care for our patients. And and it's, a, it's an and, not a but. And if we run our business successfully, the way that we care for our patients and the number of patients that we serve can only ex- exponentially grow if we're not taking care of ourselves and paying the bills and paying the people first, we can't, we can't be there to serve more people and more, more pets. Amen, sister. I love it. Cool. That sounds like a plan. Let's do that. Let's All do right. that. Uh, let's do that in the future. That's uh... so, so stay tuned for that one. You guys we will, uh, oh. we'll circle back to this.
Sounds good. All right, cool. Well, thanks for your help today, Steph. Yeah, this was a good one. I loved it. And for all for the vets out there who were like, oh, wait, did I write that comment? We got your back. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we see we see you and uh, and you're not alone for sure. All right, guys. See ya. Take care. And that is what we got for you today. I hope it was helpful. I hope it was useful. I hope it was thought provoking. Gosh, I love making these podcasts. Thanks for uh, thanks for giving us an audience to talk to. Stephanie and I both really appreciate it. If you have things on your mind, if you have quick questions for us, if you have stuff you're struggling with, you can ask us about it. We're happy to hear. All you got to do is email us. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. We're happy to be here for you. Until we speak again... Guys, have a wonderful week. Take care of yourselves. Talk to you later. Bye.